You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Pastor Jason and Anna's youngest was having a dream recently, and her big sister Erevis woke her up from that dream, and it made her really mad. Curier was saying she was dreaming about Jesus, and as she was dreaming about Jesus, Jesus was about to say something to her, and so she said to her sister, Jesus was going to speak to me, and you woke me up. There's a fear that Curie has that she really missed out on something. The fear of missing out, FOMO, is something that's a new psychological modern syndrome that you and I have to worry about now. FOMO, the fear of missing out. It seems that so many of us are scared to death that we're going to miss out on this experience or this relationship. And so we continuously stay connected on the net. It's said of millennials, the majority of this generation, that they keep their options open. They say yes to everything, but commit to nothing until the end because they have a fear of missing out. And what's true of their generation is true of many of our generations. My generations had a fear of missing out on a lot of different things, maybe a killing on the stock market. Maybe you're afraid of missing out when you see somebody else having a party or someone having a good time or they got invited to something and and you didn't. And yet I think there's a, a healthy kind of fear of missing out. And the healthy kind of fear is missing out on what's really significant in life. Missing out on significant relationships. Missing out maybe on a one on one real conversation with somebody. Isn't it ironic that the more we stay connected all the time to so many people, the more shallow our relationships tend to be, the more bored we tend to get? What are you afraid of missing out on? You know, I am a blessed guy, and obviously I've had lots of years of experience you just heard about. And I'm blessed that I don't have a lot of regrets. I thank God for that. But one of the regrets I have when I look back on my life, I regret that I missed too many bedtime stories with my kids, too many ball games and too many concerts. What are you afraid of missing out on? Sometimes we, we ought to be afraid about missing out on the needs of a child or the needs of someone going old, getting older. But I think the most significant fear that we ought to be in tune with is the fear of missing out on God. That's why I like the story of Curier's dream. Jesus was about to say something to me, and you woke me up. 
As I talk with people, as I listen to people, as I observe this culture, my sense is that uh, when it comes to God, many are missing out because they're afraid. They don't know how to approach God. They don't know how to connect with God. And for many people, God's not even on the radar. So if there's one fear I have today, I, I have a real fear for my culture and my community and my friends and my nation and world. I have a fear that we are missing out on God. This morning, we're going to go to a gospel story, and there's so many different stories about the resurrection of Jesus that we could talk about today. We're going to go to the gospel story about a guy that missed out, about a guy that wasn't there that evening of the first day when Jesus was raised from the dead. He didn't show up when the others were there, and we don't know why he wasn't there, but he wasn't there. So let's look at this gospel story together today. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them his wounds and his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord again. And he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there. Maybe he was going to get some lunch for the guys. I don't know. But you get this sense that he could have been there. You get this sense that he should have been there. And when his brothers say to him, Thomas, we saw the Lord. This is what he did. This is what he said. No wonder Thomas is upset. Because Thomas really missed out when he missed out in being in community. You know, one of the significant errors we make, one of the big mistakes we make in life, when we're going through hard times, when we're in the midst of grief or despair, when there's woundedness going on in our life, we oftentimes have a tendency to separate ourselves from community. And that's when we want to be running to community. And Thomas missed out because he separated himself from his brothers when Jesus showed up. Thomas missed out on a lot. What did he miss out on? He, he missed out on the blessing of the peace of Jesus. 
Now, friends, when you and I, whenever you and I give greetings oftentimes in the morning, maybe you do this with your spouse or significant other or other family members, morning, uh, that's not what Jesus does in his blessing. Mid-Eastern blessing has so much more potency to it. And coming from Jesus, it's a blessing of peace. It's a blessing of well-being. It's, it's something that fills the air. It is something that comes into your soul. It is better than Christmas morning. And Jesus doesn't just say it to them once. He says it to them twice. Peace be with you. And he had said that so many times in their lives. And he says it so many times in the Gospels. And he says it so many times to you and to me. And if there's one thing that we ought to have a fear about, it's the fear of missing out on his blessing. Because frankly, folks, we can get by in this world with a lot of things that we worry about. We can get by without a lot of things that we have. But in a conflicted and troubled world, we can't get by without the blessing and the presence of the peace of Jesus in our life. Thomas missed out on a lot. And Jesus shows the disciples his hands, his wounds, You know, it's interesting how we can have a tendency to brag on ourselves and boast on ourselves and think about our image and think about how we're getting along in the world and worrying about other people getting ahead of us, the fear missing out. And yet, what does Jesus do? It's so striking to me that the the distinguishing mark of Jesus when he shows up to the disciples after his crucifixion, the risen Jesus, he shows them his wounds. It's the distinguishing mark of our Lord. We'll know him by his wounds. I've learned something over the years. And it is that I don't really help people when I talk about my assets or my strengths or the good things that I've done for God. What seems to help people is to talk to people about my weaknesses and my failures, and my struggles, and yet how God showed up in the midst of that. The Apostle Paul said, brag about two things. Brag about the cross, and brag about your weaknesses. So Jesus shows shows us his wounds. What kind of leader are you? What kind of follower are you? Who are you following? Is it someone that is filled with pride about how we talk about all that we do and accomplish? Or is it someone that's willing to show you their wounds? And when they see him, they're filled with joy. Joy is one of the most infallible signs of the presence of God. I know that God is alive and work at me when I have a lighthearted spirit, regardless of what's going on in the world or in my life. And sometimes it's not easy. You can lose your joy kind of quick. 
And yet you get this sense in the midst of the sorrow and the pain and the struggles of life. We can, we can have his joy. You know, one of the signs that I think God is alive at Schweitzer and in our community is I hear a lot of laughter. I hear a lot of laughter when I go down hallways and when I connect with people and I watch people and just being around among the staff and the people that are leading this ministry, I hear people laugh a lot. (laughs) I think the joy of the Lord is alive in this community. And when you've got that, you can't fake it. When you don't have it, you can't fake it either. I wanna show you a photo of a fifth and sixth grade discovery class. I love this photo because I know some of these kids, their personalities, their characters, and they've got different expressions on their face, but there's some dynamic things happening with this group on, on Wednesday nights. And I see so many stories and testimonies about God becoming real to them. And I just love, if there's one word that I see there, I see joy. And regardless of who you are and what age you are, we got to go back. If we lost it, we got to go back to the place where we lost it and find the joy again of God. There's something else that Jesus does for them. He, He sends them out. He says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He gives them their purpose. He gives them their marching orders. And they're going to go to all kinds of different places. And they got all kinds of different gifts and talents and abilities. And God's going to use them in so many different ways. And yet there's just really one thing they're about, to glorify God and to get the word out. You know, if you and I are living for a cause that's just about us, we got so many purposes and we got so many causes. But if it's just about us, it dies with us. We come alive when we are about the purpose of glorifying God and that just keeps growing and building and expanding all the possibilities of who we can be in Jesus and the world needs you and the world needs me to be a person that is fully alive. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't leave him alone with this. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit is a mystery. I know the Holy Spirit is someone we can't control. It's like the wind. There's no formula to the Spirit. But this I know, that the Spirit comes from the bleeding side of Jesus. And it comes blowing into our life from the lips of the risen Christ. And that's what I want and that's what I need. I am tired of having all these different purposes and causes. I want to be a person-driven person. And I want that person to be the spirit of the living God. And then Jesus goes on and talks about forgiveness. If there's anything this world needs, it's, it's learning about forgiveness. It's, it's stepping into forgiveness. We live in a wounded world, a hurting world, 
hurting people hurt other people. How do we learn to forgive? How do we practice forgiveness? What does it mean? Isn't it interesting? Did you catch the words? Jesus says, if anyone forgives someone their sins, they're forgiven. But if you don't forgive others, they're not forgiven. Wow. What does he mean by that? Scholars and theologians have argued and debated about that for years. What does he mean? Do we have the power to forgive others? Do we have the power to forgive sins? That's what got Jesus on the cross in the first place. Are we like Jesus? Is Jesus saying, oh my goodness, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you out. I want to send you out and I want you to proclaim and announce to the world the forgiveness of sins. Do we have the power to forgive sins? Yes and no. Yes. We're given that power because Jesus speaks it forth from the cross. Jesus did something. Jesus said something. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, and sin, my friends, we, we get so hung up on sin. We think that sin is some behavioral immoral act or some behavioral issue. The real essence of sin is just very simple. We're missing the mark. And we're missing the mark on letting Jesus have our life. Sin is rejecting Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have forgiveness. You have mercy. You have joy. And you want other people to have it too. And when Jesus is saying, if anyone forgives others, they're forgiven. If you don't, they, they aren't forgiven. Jesus, I think, is saying to us that we human beings have a very important role here in helping other people to step and to experience the forgiveness of God. Do you know that your sins are forgiven today? Man, if you know that, you know everything. You don't know that. That's what I want to announce to you today, that the forgiveness and the mercy of God flows to us from the cross and from the lips of the living Jesus. We're doing a series of messages beginning next Sunday on forgiveness, and, and I want to encourage you to put this bookmark in your Bible or keep this on your refrigerator door to remind you as we're going to talk about things about steps to forgiveness and what forgiveness is and what it isn't, because to live in an unforgiving spirit is one of the most unhealthy things you can do. You can wreck your, he your health, you can wreck your relationships, but a forgiving spirit is what really is the practice and living into the kingdom of God. So when Thomas misses out on Jesus, he missed out on a lot. When you and I miss out on Jesus, we miss out on what's really important. So Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas says, you know, unless I see the nail prints, unless I touch his wounds, I don't believe it. And Jesus does something very gracious very gratuitous. Jesus meets Thomas on his terms. You know, I've heard a lot of preachers over the years and a lot of people say, well, you got to meet God on his terms. You know, you got to come to God the way he says you to come. And, I, and I, I understand that. But it sounds so hard and harsh. I just think it's gratuitous of Jesus to meet Thomas where he is. Let's read what happens next. Eight days later, may have taken eight days later for Paul, for, for Thomas to get back into Christian community. 
Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. He said, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you see me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me. And believe me anyway. So Jesus turns to his friend, Thomas. And he meets him where he is because it's never too late unless we think it's too late. And you can almost see Thomas' hand being guided by Jesus to touch the wound in his side. Caravaggio's portrait, The Incredulity of the Resurrection, has spoken to me for years. Because it tells me, and I think it tells the world, what to do with our wounded spirits what to do with our hurts, what to do with the things we don't understand is to take our wounds to the side of the living Jesus. It is his wounds that my wounds are healed. 14 years ago, I had a very wounded spirit. I was a wounded pastor and I was a wounded family person and I, I never ever really got healed until I came and brought my wounds to Jesus. I believed in him. I knew him. I loved him. But it's when we take our wounds to his side, we can really, truly experience transformation and healing. I don't know if you were following Seedbed, the daily text, but Good Friday's text was, was, was a profound message of J.D. Waltz. We're sending it out. I hope you're getting this. Let us know. We can subscribe you to that. But in the message, it, it asks the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to, to good people? And a lot of times we think, boy, you know, if something bad happened to me, then that must, be, that must be a reason for it. Everything happens for a reason. That's not faith. That's fatalism. There must be some bad karma here going on. I mean, there's some bad karma that did all this. But the cross crucifies and crushes this whole notion of, of karma or that everything happens for a reason. Or when you suffer, it's because you did something wrong or that when you... When something good happens because you did something right. Oh, sure, there's some, there's some consequences to our actions. But could it be that in a broken life, the broken places in our life is an opportunity for God to show his glory? And so last night, my buddy, Neil McCall, posted something on Facebook about all this. 
He's gone through cancer. Several different folks at Schweitzer. I mean, they're really going through it. You know, the, the rat poison called chemo. The radiation. He's down in MD Anderson. But he posted this story. And he said, I don't want to offend anybody, but if you're a believer, I just want you to know. He has risen. And then he asked the question, can I get an indeed? <laughs> he has risen. <laughs> he has risen indeed. And that's really the message that, that this stuff that happens to us, these troubles, these wounds, these hurts in life, it's an opportunity for God to do some miraculous physical healing or and or it is an opportunity for lives to be transformed through witness. In a hospital ward, in pain and agony and distress, that Christ is risen indeed. And so he shows the disciples his wounds and he invites us to take our wounds to him. And then Jesus says something, and John wants us to know this. Blessed are those who haven't seen and believe anyway. See, we're not at a disadvantage by not being there. 500 times the scripture talks about the resurrection. Inferences and references to the resurrection and the living Christ because these Bible writers wanted the second and third generations and the 20th generations and thousands of people, millions of people, billions of people, thousands of years later to know that you can know, that I can know, that we can walk with the living Christ. We're not at a disadvantage. We just simply need to open up our lives and our spirits to the blessings of his peace, to his deep joy, to his forgiveness, sweet forgiveness, to live for the purpose that he gives us, to be filled with the Spirit and to walk with him. Do you have faith in Christ today? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? For some of us, the, the trouble may be we're trusting in our own goodness, our own righteousness, or we think we have to earn our way and we have to put that aside. But for others of us, our struggle is very different. Our struggle is that we don't feel, un we don't feel worthy. That's the lie of the world. <laughs> And so it is through the love and mercy of God that Jesus sees that we're worth it all. And God doesn't forgive us because we are good. God forgives us because he is good.
And he wants us to know that. He wants the world to have that. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for what you taught us. Thank you for what you showed us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that we get to know you. And I pray, God, I want to give voice to any person that needs to cry out to you and say, God, I trust you fully and completely as my Lord and my God today. Thank you for your your crucifixion, your taking this on yourself. And I trust you and I believe living Jesus. Because you live, I can live too. And God, I pray for all of us this morning who are believers that you would help us to be a part of community. That we would not have to pretend any longer about who we are or our shortcomings, but we can be real to each other. And we can show each other our wounds. And ultimately, we just all come to your wounded side, Jesus. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for your transforming love. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you surround us right now this morning to see you grasping your own hands. And the love that we have is the love that you have for each other and the love you have for us. And so I pray that you administer us I pray that you would come to us. I pray that you would break the veil and that we would experience the presence of the living Christ and we would know that we're not at a disadvantage. Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet know and believe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.